Good morning, Connect Church. Normally we dive right into worship this week, ever or every week, but this morning I felt a very deep uh, impression from the Holy Spirit that there was something He wanted me to talk about with all of you today. Uh, so much so that He could not wait past the car ride home from last Sunday when I led to start speaking with me about this, so I figured I should be paying attention. And all He gave me uh, to dwell on was one single word. Uh, which was not even an English word. It was an old Welsh word called hirith, which is doesn't have an exact translation. But when I started studying it, it means homesickness. That there is a nostalgia, a deep, intense longing for something that you have maybe lost or never even realized that you never had. And a lot of people colloquially, colloquially use that for people they've lost, that are to death or whatever else. But the actual origin of that word is from people, the Welsh people who say, I know that there was a Wales that once existed, but it doesn't exist anymore. But there is something intrinsically inside of me that is yearning to return to my homeland. It doesn't matter whether you are a Welsh, whether you are a proud American, whether you are another type of immigrant who loved or loathed their homeland. Because every single person in this place has a piece, a shard of breath of God inside of them that has been calling out for our homeland since the moment of our inception. From the first moment of the fall, we have been clawing our way back to Eden. There is a quote from one of my favorite people of all time, J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, who, if you don't know, he authored Lord of the Rings uh, and was a very, very, very much a lover of God uh, that said, Certainly there was an Eden on this very unhappy earth. We all long for it, and we are constantly glimpsing it. Our whole nature, at its best and least corrupted, its gentlest and most humane, is still soaked with the sense of exile. And I don't think I had ever considered myself feeling like an exile before I read that quote. Because our human nature is to nest. We make ourselves cozy and comfortable. We make homes wherever we go. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. God throughout the Bible tells people in exile to make homes where they dwell many, 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 many times because our people end up in exile way too many times. But there is a difference between when you know you are renting an apartment that you will not have for the rest of your life and how you tend to a house that you intend to live in forever. The problem is that we are renting our space on earth, but we are treating it like it's our forever home. There is a home that we will return to, but it is not here. And our focus, our devotion, our attention cannot be solely here. There is a very famous verse in the Bible, Psalm 68, 6, which you've probably heard translated as, God will set the lonely in families, which is very true of him and also beautiful. But the actual direct translation of that line is, God will set the desolate into homelands. Because God knows that there is something inside of us that will never fully be settled on earth. 
I don't know if anyone else has felt more and more of a restlessness as we watch the world around us unravel in every single way imaginable. But God has already prepared an answer for that. And you may be wondering why I felt this need to talk about this before worship of all things. But I've been worshiping for a very, very long time in my life. And the more that I see it, I've noticed something very special about worship, which is that it thins the veil ever so slightly. You'll hear people a lot in churches say that worship brings heaven to earth. And it's not wrong and it's beautiful. We get to see the power of God move. But I think a lot of times people say that because they wanna come home again for a moment. They wanna see the power of God. They wanna feel the goodness of God. And that's great. We're gonna be singing a song about seeing the goodness of God in the land of our living. We're gonna be singing about believing for the power of God to move. But I'm not just talking to us about this concept of being an exile because I think we should be focused on returning to our homeland. But because from the time of the fall, God has been exiled from our lives by our choice. His children, he is a father who wanted so deeply and badly to be with us that he made a place where we could dwell with him. And then we said no. I don't want God not to feel at home in his own creation this morning. So if there is a chance for us to thin the veil and welcome him in here, I want us to make this place feel like it is his home again. Like it is the Eden he imagined. Like it is the Eden he intended for a moment. And maybe that will shift our perspectives. Maybe that will remind us of the things that plague us right now. The goodness that we need to conquer all the evil that we see. The things that we need to believe for. They are mists and vapors and breaths. And then they are gone when we are in the sight of Him. When we are in His presence. When we are home with Him. The things that hurt this home will matter so very little. So I want us today, however you can help us to do so, to help us make this house a home for our God today. To say that we are your family, Jesus. And we want to make you feel that way today. And we're sorry for exiling ourselves from you, for always keeping our eyes here. Help us to keep our eyes on you and your homeland instead. So with that in mind, let's worship about a God that has been so good to us in the midst of a very long exile from him. Your mercy never fails me All my days I am held in your hands From the moment that I wake up Until I lay my head 
mercy of the goodness of God. Because all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able.
is running day. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. It's running Seems to be no way. We trust in you. 
Oh 
of a God that doesn't have to do anything but out of love does everything we deserve death and hell punishment and banishment exile to the ends of eternity and yet your love is so deep and so wide and so thick we can't get over it we can't get around it but we find ourselves in the midst of it and Father we don't always know what that goodness in the land of this living will look like. But we believe what we prayed today. That we believe for it. I'm believing for cancer to be gone in Jesus' name. I believe it for addictions to be broken in Jesus' name. For marriages to be restored in Jesus' name. For children who are far from God to come back to you in Jesus' name. I believe it for financial breakthrough in Jesus' name. I believe it, Lord God, for hope to rise in Jesus' name. Despair and desperation and depression to be shattered in Jesus' name. And I'm so grateful for you. Because you said to the father who was struggling to believe when he cried out, help me in my unbelief. Jesus, you didn't turn your back. You didn't scoff. You didn't roll your eyes. But you stepped into the circumstance. So father, where we're struggling to believe today What some of us were just worshiping through. Help us in our unbelief. Step into the sick or circumstance. Do what only you can do. We believe your goodness and mercy are chasing us down because that's who you are. That's not who we are. It's who you are. So daddy, come. Be glorified in our praise because we're going to praise you before the answer comes we're going to praise you when the answer comes and we're going to praise you forever after the answer comes because you're worthy of praise so Jesus come and be glorified Holy Spirit come and manifest your presence in powerful ways shatter walls break down break down heretical heretical and Boundaries that have been set up through heritage, knock those walls down, even now in Jesus' name. Generational curses fall in Jesus' name. Mindsets that have followed us our whole life shattered in Jesus' name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this room as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, come on. And in faith we say amen and amen. Let's praise him. Let's praise him for an answer that's already on its way. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory, honor, and power, and praise. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Oh, church, do you know what I love? Do you know what I love? I, when, when, I, when I just said about, see, one of the burdens and joys of being a pastor is knowing what you, some people are going through. That's a burden. Because we're there to help carry each other's burdens. But when you watch those people worship through it, come on, what a God we serve that in the midst of the greatest problems and trials and challenges of life, we can still say, God, you are great and you're worthy of praise. What a God we serve. I love that the Bible says his word goes forth. It does not come back void. It will do what it's called to do and it will prosper in every way. Did you notice it wasn't our word? It's not our belief. It's not our faith. The Bible says the word that proceeds from the mouth of God will proceed and go forth. And when it comes back, when it, it's coming back, when it comes back, it will not fail. It will do what it's called to do. I believe that. I know sometimes we want that word back in a day. We want that word back in a week. Sometimes we want that word back in a, in a month. But I have to tell you, I have seen God's word come back in a moment. And I've seen God's word come back in a decade. But what I do know is God's word comes back and it does not fail. So whatever you're going through today, praise him for it. Praise him through it. Paul and Silas were in jail and when they started to praise, the, the first thing that fell off before the door opened was the chains. The Bible says the chains fell out, the door opened up. Come on. I'm believing it, not just for this moment. I'm, 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 I'm hoping you're getting something to go home with today. To say, man, when I go home, I, 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 I usually turn on the sports radio or I, or I turn on old school Elvis Presley. I know ain't nobody listening to Elvis. Maybe today, on the ride home, you turn on some worship. And maybe instead of talking about what was happening in church, we just start talking about the one who church is about. We just have a conversation with him. We just start praising him. Come on, sometimes I got to tell my soul to praise God. Today's one of those days, I'm sure, for some of us. But I'm so glad you're here. In these dog days of summer, you made a great decision to be in God's house. Because as Jake said today, this is home. And we will come back. Jake doesn't even know. I didn't even know he was going to sing that. That's from The Greatest Showman. I was, this week, Thursday, I was walking my dog. And uh, I just felt an urge to turn that song on. I have not listened to that. I have not listened to that song since the movie came out. Years. But do you see how God ties things together? He speaks. And it's not just to one. Line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how a house is built. What a God we serve. Look, if you're a guest here today, welcome. Thank you. If this is your first or second time, thank you for coming, being a part of Connect. It's so good to have you today. Thank you for being out. You up on the screen, you'll see there this uh, uh, QR code. You can click on that now. You can click on it later. Those codes are all over the church. That's just to let, let you know a little bit more about us. We'd love to get to know a little bit more about you as well because we can't do this life alone. We need each other. That's what church is. It's not a Sunday morning event. It's learning to do life well together. And how many of us know that's hard for us in the Northeast? In the Northeast, we were, some of us were just talking about this. In the Northeast, we're like, this is my house and my yard. Come on, somebody. This is my, 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 mine. But then we get in trouble and we need us. 
no, 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 we, this is us. So that because we live in the middle of a battle, I need my brother to my right. And I need my sister to my left. I need the guard in front of me and the one behind me. And we do this life messy. Messy. You know my issues of life. I'm always honest. But we do it together. Together. The Bible says there's power in unity. That's where God bestows blessing and life. Mm. I feel like preaching, but I'm going to hold on for that. We love kiddos. Pastor Lisa, we love you. Pastor Kevin, we love you. Give the kiddos a hand as they're going out. Everybody who's serving the kids, thank you. Hey, church, before you're being seated, can I encourage you, pray for our kids getting ready to go back to school. Some of them are already going back. They're going back. Pray for them for wisdom and protection. Pray for them to have boldness. Come on, to be the missionaries that they're called to be. Pray. Pray for the kids. Pray for the parents. Amen? All right, give somebody next to you a high five. Tell them it's good to see them. It's great. Tell them looking good at church today. Blinded by that ring. Mm. We shall come back home again. Before we hop into the message, we were just, we were just talking about prayer. I want to encourage you. I want to invite you to be a part of something today. Um, I believe prayer works. We don't pray because it works, but it does work when we pray. We pray to grow close to God. We pray to get to know who he is. It's, it's our time of communion with him, but the Bible talks about how things change when we pray because prayers where burdens exchange hands my burden my burden that's heavy gets exchanged for his burden that is light that's what the bible says so i want to invite you um to fast and pray with us on wednesday if you can and fast and pray with us uh you know there, there's tkc is uh we're, we're selling our tkc building to try to move it all into this facility so we can do more not only have tkc there but the marketplace everything functioning together to take care of community and uh we need some breakthrough there there are some things coming up we need people to pray and fast but it's not just for that there are people in this house that are going through they need breakthrough there are people in this house that need physical breakthrough. There's people in this house that need circumstantial and situational breakthrough. And the Bible says this. The Bible says, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 17, 21. This is after they were given the gifts of the Spirit, after there was power in their life. They came back and there were some things that couldn't change. And Jesus said, some things only change with prayer and fasting. Some things only change with prayer and fasting. So whether you can fast all day, whether you can fast from sunup to sundown, whether you can fast just a meal, whether it's food or social media, whatever it is, don't just use that time to not eat. Use that time to pray. Pray for breakfast because you may be one of the people in this room that are saying, thank God pastor's calling for some prayer and fasting because I need a breakthrough. So when we do this thing together, things change. So Wednesday, let's pray and fast together. Will you believe with me? Believe with me. Let's believe for God to do something. Change people's lives. Change circumstances you don't even know. Because you may say, well, tell me the circumstance so that I can tell God. God knows the circumstance. Come on, somebody. He knows. Just stand in the gap. Stand in the gap. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit uh, about the gifts in just a second. The gifts of the Spirit, which I'm so glad we already, this whole morning has already uh, introduced us to. But you may not be familiar uh, 
a lot of us, because of our backgrounds, whether it's we, we really didn't grow up in church or we grew up in church that really didn't talk about the gifts of the Spirit, you may not be familiar with what they are. And so um, what we're going to do just really quickly is that we, we put a whole list of the gifts of the Spirit it's up on all our social media. So on Instagram, you can go, you can, I'm giving you permission to take out your phone even now. I know you're probably checking your text, but that's right. I believe that you're checking this, right? Get on Instagram and you can see, go to our Instagram page, uh, the underscore connect underscore church. There's a whole list there. You can go through them. Uh, go to the Facebook page. If you're online, uh, they're right there in YouTube and the Facebook in the, in the, in the description. You'll find them all there. You can look at them while we're, ta- while, while we're, while we're talking about them. You can look at them later on today. But just kind of take the journey to see what God says. Because it's not what, listen, none of this matters. It doesn't really matter what I say. What matters is what the Bible says. So sometimes we can say, I know what Pastor Kyle said, or my last pastor said, or my priest said, or the, the, my grandmom said. None of that matters. The only thing that really matters is what God says. And then we got to wrestle that out. Then we got to wrestle out whether do we really believe it or not. And that doesn't mean that things in the Word won't challenge us. Everything in the Word will challenge us because there's a force inside of you and I that does not want to follow God. So we'll hear something on a Sunday, be inspired, like, that's good! Amen! We'll shout. Hey, by the way, if you want to shout, shout. You want to wave, wave. You want to throw a hanky at me? Come on! It's awesome! Permission! But look, it's not enough to be inspired by the Word. We have to be challenged and changed by it. So that's how we live this thing out. So it's cool. I grew up in a church that didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. So I had a journey. I had to take a journey. I had to take a journey. And my theology came before my practice. Like I had to actually understand the things. Then I went, oh, I got it. And come on, God, I want that because you said it. So I be- you, you said it. I believe it. We just, we just prayed that, right? We just sang that. Awesome. All right. Well, are you guys ready for the word? Come on. You just got permission to go on your phones in church. That's awesome. Some of you can get off your phone. No, no, no. All right. Hey, since you brought your Bible, open with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 28. And uh, we're going we're gonna, to, Exodus is the second book of the Old Testament. It's written by Moses. And we're going to continue to talk a little bit about what we talked about last week. And so if you uh, weren't able to be here last week or, or didn't get a chance to listen to that, can I really encourage you this week to listen to that, dive into that, because we build line upon line. We're trying to actually build a life off of one thing after another thing after another thing. So we see the big picture. We don't cherry pick scriptures. We build on the big picture of what God wants for our lives. And so if you need a title to today's message, it's Golden Threads and Precious Gems. Because back in the day when I grew up, someone would say to you when you had, someone would say to you, man, those are nice threads. What they were talking about is you had some nice clothes on. Or they were, man, those are sweet kicks, right? They, or they, they were nice shoes, they were nice sneakers. And, and all of us feel better. I don't know about you, but all of us feel better when we dress up a little bit, right? Sometimes you feel better when you dress up. And, and, and sometimes we dress the way that we want our persona to be created and people to think about us. But I think we all would agree that clothes definitely do not make a man or a woman. Because I grew up, right, uh, around a lot of people that wear suits and ties on a Sunday, but were definitely not the light of the world on Monday. So it's all good. I mean, they were styling on Sunday, but mm, So it's not really the clothes, outer clothes we wear, although we should be presentable. Come on, somebody. We should actually have excellence in the way that we live out our lives. But last week, we talked about uh, that we had to make sure that we were wearing the priestly garments 
that God gave us so that you and I don't get chafed by life. We don't get rubbed raw by trying to do this life as a disciple for Jesus Christ because it's hard to do what Galatians 6.2 says, which is to carry each other's burdens, which is the law of Jesus. It's hard. Isn't it? it's hard. Look, I, I can't carry somebody, but I can help carry someone's burden. I'm not called. To, there was only one person that carried people. His name's Jesus. And when I try to be someone's Messiah, I will pay the Messiah's price. They're going to kill me. I'm not called to carry you, but I am helped, called to help carry what you're carrying. That's, but how many of you know sometimes that can be hard because we don't get back what we give many times. That's why the truth is what we're talking about is we need the consistent clothing, protection of forgiveness and mercy and grace and all the things that the high priest Aaron, who we're going to read about, would wear underneath of the breastplate of God that he carried into worship. And it was the things that he wore underneath the breastplate that would keep him from getting chafed. And on this breastplate, we remember, were all the, the tribes and the, the names and the people of God. And sometimes that's really hard to do, to carry that without being rubbed raw. So this week, we're going to talk about the final piece, that breastplate that has all those gems on it. And we're going to see how we can use the gifts of God that God has given through his high priest Jesus to you and I so that we can carry these things into the world and live a life of worship to God and see God's people and see the world be redeemed for the goodness of God. So let's look at this together. Exodus 28 verse 15. It says, fashion a breastplate of making decisions, or what we saw last week of judgment, the, the work of skilled hands, artisans, fine artisans. Make it like the ephod of gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet yarn, and of finely twisted linen. It's to be a square, a span long and a span wide. That's the, 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 the length of an open hand. And fold it double. Why? Because there's an inner and outer reality to this. There's an inner, there's something that people see, and an, an outer and an inner reality to this. Then mount four, four rows of precious stones on it. You can underline that. Precious stones. Go down to verse 21. There are, there are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved, like a, each engraved with a seal with the name of one of the 12 tribes, with a seal on it. For every name. That means that no one was excluded. No one was excluded. In Jesus Christ, if you're a believer of, God, of Jesus, if you're a follower of his, no one is excluded from this. It doesn't matter where you and I came from, what you and I have done. No one was excluded from the gifts of God that the high priest carried into worship for us. Every name had a seal on it. Every name had a seal. Every gem had a seal on it. Now, we know in the New Testament, Ephesians 1.13 says that you and I have been sealed with the precious Holy Spirit. Now he's not talking about a sealing like you do with like, uh, you know, cement or, or, or silicon sealing so it doesn't leak. He's talking about sealed. The signet ring of God was pressed on us. That we have been sealed with the authority, the ekousia, the Greek word says, for the authority of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You and I walk with his seal on our lives. And seeing that the seal is on the precious stones should bring us back 
to remember what we talked about two weeks ago when Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.12, when you're building your life on the foundation of Jesus, build it with gold and silver and precious stones. See, when Paul wrote that, his readers, as well as you and I, would definitely have brought this picture to mind of the high priest carrying the sealed precious stones before the Lord, come on, to worship him and to restore and redeem the people. That's what the, that's what the high priest did. On the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur, he would go into the Holy of Holies carrying the blood of the Lamb with the precious gems that were sealed by God, and he would carry that in so that the whole nation could be redeemed. There is a power that God wants to release on all people that comes through the priests that are carrying the gems of God in worship. All people. I love it. He didn't just forgive some people. When Jesus died, forgiveness was for all people. This, my friends, is a picture of what God is calling us to be as his disciples. He sealed each one of us with the Holy Spirit. And he's given us precious gifts of the Spirit so that you and I can carry the names and carry the tribes and carry the people that, are, that we're meant to carry over our hearts. Like we talked about last week, the gems were meant to be carried over the heart so that we can see our world restored and God's name glorified. See, when you and I live this kind of life of worship where we're willing to be used and, be, and willing to use the gifts that God has given us in our world, we not only create a life where we're not being rubbed raw, we're helping to create a world where other people are not being rubbed raw and that they will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. We're not trying to sell them on heaven. We're trying to introduce them to a God who is a God who loves them in the land of the living. That's what we end up doing when we actually live this out. But before we even go any further, we have to ask ourselves the question, where did these precious stones come from? Where did they come from? It's a good question. They came from the plunder of Egypt. Exodus 3 verse 22 says, when God got his children out of slavery, he empowered them to plunder Egypt of its wealth. So what is this saying? The slaves didn't possess this treasure. It was a supernatural provision that came after slavery. Just like us. After you and I are set free from the slavery of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ, after we've been redeemed and set free from slavery, there is a supernatural provision of resource from the Spirit of God so that we can be changed and change others. And what did they do with this provision after they got it? They gave it to Moses to build the tabernacle, to build a place of worship and redemption because they recognized it wasn't all up to Moses and his team to get it done. They recognized they played a part in building what would bring worship and life and forgiveness to the world. You and I, church, we have to recognize if we are followers and disciples of Jesus, no matter how young you are or old you are in this room today, that you have been designed and called to use and bring what, you have been, what you've been given 
so that we can build. Now, I'm not talking about a church, a building. I'm talking about the kingdom of God moving in your marketplace, in your families, when you show up for Thanksgiving dinner, when you're going out to a movie with a friend. We need to trust that God is bringing in supernatural provision that was not in you when you were a slave, but is in you now because he redeemed you for a purpose. That's why the fruit of the Spirit is so important. Love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and self-control and all those good things. And that's what the gifts of the Spirit do. They take back from the natural world and bring it back to the supernatural provision of God so that he can be glorified and he can be worshipped. It takes the things that once used to enslave us, those lies, that hopelessness, that sickness, that confusion, and through his supernatural provision, it can be changed into a life that worships God and redeems his people. Sickness can be turned into health through the gift of healing. Setting people from a life of secrets so that they can live in the freedom of truth happens through the gift of discernment because you can figure out what's really going on in the situation. Confusion can be changed to clarity through the gift of wisdom to help them apply the word of God into that moment. These are real things that real people go through. And they're not coming to church to hear a sermon, but they're sitting next to you at the cafe. They went to the movies with you last Thursday. They're sitting across the dinner table with you at Thanksgiving. That's why we have to carry these things. It's not the gifts from the pulpit. It's the gifts in the people. It's the gifts in the people. We see this gift of wisdom in Solomon, don't we? 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 25 says, uh, Solomon, if you remember, God says, what do you want? You can have anything in all the world. He says, I want wisdom. He's like, that's awesome. Now I'm going to give you everything else too. And immediately he gets the gift of wisdom. And it's challenged because your gift will naturally be challenged because the enemy doesn't like that you've got it, so he wants to diminish it. So he is challenged with a hard situation. If you remember, two women come in claiming the same baby. Mm, that's a problem. So Solomon, using the gift of wisdom, understanding the human condition, knows that a real mama would never let a baby be killed, says, bring a sword and slice the baby in half and give each to each mother. And the real mama goes, no! And Solomon goes, that's the woman. See, there was a gift of wisdom that showed up in the middle of that that set people free, that changed something that logic couldn't change. See, it may not be two mamas arguing over a baby, but it may be someone uh, 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 arguing over what's right or wrong, uh, trying to figure out how to raise a child in this world, how, how to restore a marriage, how, how to actually have a healthy relationship. That's why we need the words of wisdom in our life. And you and I could be saying, but I'm not Solomon. I'm not Solomon. I'm not Solomon. But he's the shadow of what happens in us through Jesus. Because the same spirit that was in Solomon that was given by Jesus is the same spirit that is in you and I that is also given by Jesus. So this isn't a Solomon issue. This is a God issue. The reality is, my friends, that God wants to redeem things in us and through us. And the fruit of the Spirit redeems things not only in others, 
but they redeem things in us. Through the fruit of the Spirit working in our lives, we learn to truly love people and truly be loved by God. We learn patience for others and patience with ourselves. We learn the difference between peace and appeasement, kindness and happiness. We, we, we learn the difference through the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And the gifts of the Spirit are meant to redeem those outside of us, those who are in our tribes and those who are in our people that once were enslaved but need to be set free so that you, they can be, just like we are, children of God who know a God who loves them on this side of the veil so they can spend eternity with them on the other side. That's what the gifts of the Spirit do. That's what Romans 8 is talking about. Romans 8 verse 19, Paul says this. He says, look, all of creation is waiting in eager expectation for the children of God to do something. Because it's frustrated. That's what the world says. It's frust the word says the world is frustrated because it's subjected not by its own will but by our choice to fall. So it's waiting to be liberated. It's waiting to be changed. It's waiting to be set free when the children of God will reveal themselves to the world with the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit. See, when we build a life of worship on these precious stones that our high priest carries, that are attached to his authority. Remember, last week we talked about how the, the, the breastplate hangs. It's attached and it's carried. It's, the weight of it is carried because it's attached to the two uh, uh, rocks that are on the high priest's shoulders, the two stones that are there. And we recognize that in our lives, that's Jesus. Because Isaiah 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and upon his shoulders the government shall rest on his shoulders. The authority that you and I are walking in and working in is it doesn't come out of our holiness, doesn't come out of our goodness, doesn't come out of how our church attendance, our tithe record, how much we've served in kids, how many people we've been nice to, how many prayers we've uttered on the, in the shower or on the way to work. Our power comes out of the authority of the one who the gifts rest on, which is Jesus. It's his goodness, not ours. So in that, there should be such liberation Thank God I don't have to be good enough because he already is. Add that to the fact that Jesus himself proclaims to every one of his followers that he says, every one of my disciples in John 14, every one of my disciples, the great news is this, you will do the things I have done and greater things than these because I go to the Father. Now, he is not saying that you and I can do things greater than him in quality. No one can do anything better than God in quality. He's saying in quantity because he was only on the earth for three and a half years and only ministered in one country. You and I have a long life. Come on, somebody. And we get to go everywhere. When we start to live this way, things change. Things we never thought could change are changed by the power and the gifts of God. The children of God in Egypt never thought that they could be set free until miracles started showing up. Until the Spirit started showing up. Until burning bushes started talking and oceans started parting and God started moving. And then they said, wow, things can change. 
I wonder how differently our spouses, our children, our world, our neighbors, our friends would start to think about us and God and church if the things of God, the fruit of the Spirit was coming out of us, the gifts of the Spirit were coming out of us. Maybe the things we thought could never change could change. Isn't that what Paul says to the Corinthians? He's encouraging them because this is a church that has all sorts of gifts and they're doing it all crazy. They were all about, they were using their gifts, but they were using them selfishly and chaotically and out of control. And Paul says, look, chapter 2, verse 4, I came not with persuasive words of wisdom. I came to you with demonstrations of the Holy Spirit and with power. Things that could not change in you before were changed when the Spirit showed up. And I love this, church. I love it. Because I love that the fact that the high priest didn't just wear those gems in private. He wore those gems into the outer court of the tabernacle where everybody could see it. That's Matthew 12. That's the Great Commission, isn't it? Go out in all the world. Be a light. Let them see it. But he also wore it into the holy place. The holy place is where the priest would worship. That's the picture of church. He didn't just wear them outside, he also wore them inside, and then he also took them into the Holy of Holies so that there's a private communion between him and God. See, when we're wearing, when we're living these kind of, this life, these gifts are meant for an outer worship and an inner worship. That's why there's two sides to this breastplate. Outer and inner, outer and inner, outer and inner. When we carry each other's burdens, it's not just carrying the church's burdens or the world's burdens or our friends' burdens or our family's burdens. It's carrying the church's burdens and the world's burdens, our family's burdens and our friends' burdens, and making sure that we carry them into the inner worship with God so that we're transformed as well. That's part of the redemption plan that God has for all people all people i think if honest the challenge for us many times and i've thought this so so often in my life growing up that this is great i wish this was for me but i don't see myself in it because i don't see my name on that stone or i don't really see my gift anywhere in my life but our names are on that stone because you don't have to be named Levi, you don't have to be named Judah, you don't have to be named Naphtali, because you and I were grafted in to them through Jesus Christ. When we are under the name of Jesus, we are carrying every name because it's only his name that matters. That's why we can be assured that 1 Corinthians 12, 7 is true. That God, to each believer, to each follower of mine, I will manifest a gift of the Spirit in each one for the good of everybody. There are things missing in church, come on somebody, not because they're necessarily missing from the platform. It's because they're still sitting in the pews. It's just a reality. There's no condemnation, but there should be inspiration in that to be able to say, Moses couldn't have done this if the people didn't bring the stones. It would have been great. But how about if they only had six stones? He couldn't have gone in. There would have been half the people left out of redemption. I think the beauty is just like we have a scarlet thread woven through us. That is the blood of Jesus we talked about last week. We have a golden thread, this verse says, woven through us as well. And gold always symbolizes divinity. 
So what we're seeing is this amazing picture in the breastplate of gold that was hammered and gold that was put in the fire until it was as pure as it could be and then shaped into a wire so that it could be woven through the fabric to bring strength and support to that fabric so that the fabric could carry the gems. The fabric was strong enough to carry what God placed on it. The fabric was strong enough to carry what God placed on it because the gold wire ran through it. That thread, my friends, is the divine gifts of God. It's his impression on our life. But I think the issue is very often the things we call natural are part of his supernatural creation in us that become magnified when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like a light, a lamp that's not plugged in yet. Has all sorts of potential. It sees its structure and its function, but it doesn't understand its full capacity until it's connected to the power source. I think there's so many things that God has woven into us that we do in the natural. But when we, when we come into being filled with the Holy Spirit of God, they become magnified into the supernatural when we get connected to the supernatural power of God. Because somebody may say, well, you don't know, Pastor Man, numbers just comes naturally to me. Numbers, they just come naturally to me, numbers. It may be very well that that person has the gift of administration as well. Yeah. Now, that may seem logical, right? It may seem logical that somebody who's good at numbers, we would say, has the gift of administration. But we're starting at the wrong end. We need to start differently. God, we need to start from this place. God knew he was weaving an administrator together in his mama's womb before he drew his first breath. And so he gifted him with the ability of numbers and organization that gets magnified into supernatural abilities when the Holy Spirit comes into our life. It doesn't mean that everybody who's good with numbers has the gift of administration, but talent and gifting Many times go hand in hand. We see it in the Bible. Mark chapter 1, verse 17. Jesus shows up, sees Peter fishing. He says, Peter, I'm going to now make you a fisher of men. He took what Peter is naturally gifted at, and then when the Holy Spirit came into his life, God expounded it and magnified it with a supernatural connection. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Did Jesus say he was going to make Peter a fisher of men because Peter was a fisherman and he could relate? Or did God make Peter a fisherman because he knew he was going to utilize the same gifts, the same talents, the same abilities that Peter took as normal and natural his whole life and then magnify them when they got plugged into the Holy Spirit? Did God have David be a shepherd because he just loves sheep so much? I don't know, maybe. Or did he know if David could lead sheep with compassion as a shepherd, then he could lead people with compassion as a king? Amen. See, all the gems were on the breastplate, but there was a name that was carried on each one. Each one of them had its own name. You have a gift, a name that's written on you by God. That carries a gem that God has placed in you. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 tells me that it was his will and it's distributed by his will, not by our own. 
Because I know this week, man, I wish I would have had the gift of tongues. I would have had the gift. I would, I would, I'm not talking about the gift of tongues of praying in, in my prayer language uh, when, when the Spirit prays through us. I do that. I love that. It's something that we should all be doing. But I'm talking about the gift of tongues of being able to speak a language that is not naturally natural to me. I don't naturally speak a language. It's what we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 11, when they come out of the upper room and people from all the other countries, the Bible says, they are hearing them speak in their own language. It wasn't languages that they spoke. It was languages that people needed to hear. Because this week there were people working at my house helping me with some things, and it was very difficult to communicate the intricacies of some of the issues because they didn't, we didn't speak the same language. And I know for some of you who speak multiple languages, you're like, oh, it's just so easy. It's just so easy. It's not really a gift because I had to learn it. Mm -mm. Well, uh, I couldn't learn it. It's easy for you because there's a gold thread. Because there's a gold thread inside of it. I couldn't learn it. I can't. I took four years. Jake will know. I took four years of French, two in high school, two in, two in college. Can't speak a word. Can't. We and maybe count to 10. That's all I got. A three-year-old can do that. And I think we had diminished the gift by downplaying it when we say we have to learn it. Because that's what discipleship is. That's what Jesus did with his disciples for three and a half years. He taught them how to use their gifts. I had to learn how to preach. It was natural to me. It's part of the gift of God, part of the gift of the Spirit that's in me, the call on my life, but I still had to work at it. I still had to practice it. I still had to learn how to do it better. It's the same with all of us. We're all called to be supernatural disciples of Jesus. He provides it supernaturally. We work it out naturally. Peter and John started with one lame man by a gate called Beautiful. That's Acts chapter 3. By Acts chapter 15, by Acts chapter 5, verse 15, Peter's shadow's falling on folks and they're getting healed. What? That's what Jesus was showing his disciples in the feeding of the 4,000. He feeds the 4,000, multiplies the food, feeds the 4,000. Then he brings them again to the feeding of the 5,000. He ups it a little bit. They get freaked out. He says to them, did you not learn from the feeding of the four how to use what I've already placed inside of you? They had to learn how to use the gold thread that had been empowered by the Holy Spirit. Come on. What a gift tongues is to help people bridge the gap for people in order for them to feel loved and welcome and open to the gospel. Especially in a country that is continually seeing an increase in immigration, we should be praying for this gift. No, not, not just the gift of tongues that we pray in our prayer language, that too, but to be praying for this in everyday life so that we can help people who don't speak our natural language to feel loved, seen, and valued by the people of God so they can come to God. And how badly in this world do we need the gift of discernment today? The ability to discern right and wrong, good from God, truth and deception. In a world where truth is based on opinion and feelings, where the lies of the enemy have been woven into the fabric of our generation without even a question, and the lies we've told ourselves we, is the reality that we live out, how badly do we need the gift of discernment 
in our lives. As a parent, man, trying to raise kids in this world, we need to get the discernment. Because you know little Johnny comes home telling one story and the teacher tell you another. You need to discern. And then when they get older, it's even more. You need discernment more. How many are business people? You need discernment so when we're sitting across the table making a deal, you can discern the motive of someone's heart. When you're helping someone in a relationship, you can help them because they, the, you can help know the real situation from the situation they're telling themselves. Because there's always two situations in any situation. The real situation and the situation that person is telling themselves about the situation. That's why we need discernment. If not, you're just going to try to figure it out. And the heart is deceitful above all things. That's what we see in Acts chapter 8. Do you remember Simon the sorcerer sees the gifts of God moving? He's like, I want that. And Peter shows up and he's not afraid to give away the gifts or pray for people to get the gifts. He wants that. But he looks at Simon and he says, I know the motive of your heart. He was able to have a word of discernment in a circumstance to be able to bring truth. And I think the issue is so often we talk ourselves out of seeking the gifts even though 1 Corinthians 1 tells us to pursue love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, because we tell ourselves there certainly must be other people in our tribe who can do this. There must be other people in our tribes who can do it better than me. You're right. There are other people in the tribes that can do this. There's other people in the tribe that may be able to do it better than you. But here's the reality. There's other people in our tribe that can breathe but they can't breathe for you. And they can't take the breath that was supposed to be in you, come on, that was meant to be worshiped to God and worship for you with that breath. Just like they can't worship for you with the gift that's inside of you because they have it too. Come on, there's no lesser and greater gifts. When we look at the breastplate, we see line upon line of precious stones working together. It's humanity that gives those stones different values. That diamonds are more valuable than agates, or emeralds are more valuable than amethysts. This gift is more valuable than that gift, but God doesn't. God called them all precious stones. I'm not a geologist, but I know this. There are two types of stones, isotropic and anisotropic. And the difference is known, is seen in how they refract pure light. So when you take two polarized lenses and put them at right angles and you put light through it, it becomes the purest form of light that we can produce right now. It's more pure than a laser. And when you take an isotropic gem, a gem that we think is valuable like a diamond, and put it up against that pure light, the light that comes through it is dark. It's almost black. But you take an anisotropic gem that most of us use as costume jewelry, and you put that up against the pure light, and every color of the rainbow comes through that gem. It explodes with color. Do you realize that every stone in the breastplate in Exodus 28, and every stone that builds the house of God in heaven in Revelation 21 are anisotropic gems? That means when the pure light hits, every color of the rainbow explodes out of them. Come on, how cool. Like you... What? Like, 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 just, just think about this. Just think for a moment how, how much that should encourage you about how true the Bible is. John wrote that when they couldn't figure this out. We just started to do this in the last decade. 
And John's trying to, if, he's, if this isn't true, impress the Roman Empire that has all the wealth on the planet. He wouldn't have picked the cheap costume jewelry stones to make up heaven. Why does he use those gems to make up heaven? Because they shine the color of God's rainbow covenant that reminds us of who he really is, a faithful God, even when you can't see it. No matter how common we think we are, we have been empowered with the gems to shine his light into this world. We can't do everything. There were other gems on other rows. Come on. There were other tribes with other names. But we all have to let our light shine because the true beauty of any gem is only found in how it, refract, it reflects and refracts the light. 1 Corinthians 14.1, the end of that says, eagerly desire the gifts, especially prophecy. Now that's going to freak some people out. But boy, do we need the gift of prophecy in our world today. The problem is in the church today when we talk about prophecy, many of us see this kind of long-haired, wild beard, carrying a big stick, yelling at folk on their social media platform or on their soapbox. But that's not what prophecy means at all. Prophecy, the word prophecy simply means to come before. Sometimes it's seeing what's coming and being bold enough to proclaim it to help people know the good will of God. The good will of God. I love that Pastor Danielle has this gift. I didn't always love it because sometimes I thought she was just trying to, she'd be like, yeah, I don't think we should do that. I'm like, yeah, you just don't know church. You're just trying to, st oh, I thought we were being honest. You're just trying to stand in my way. Oh, you don't like what's going on. You want to do it differently. No, no, no. I learned, come on somebody, that there was a gift of prophecy that was rising up that she was actually trying to give me the good will of God in my life. But many of us grew up with prophets only giving us the bad news of God. But 1 Corinthians 14, 3 says, when you prophesy, prophecies speak edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. That's why we need it. And the other part of standing before people is at times, it's the boldness to stand before others and speak the truth in love. I get it. It's always scary. But we don't even have to be perfect at it. We just have to be willing. Look at what happens when we're willing to shine. Jonah, in J Jonah chapter 3, he gives the worst sermon ever preached on the planet. He literally stands up and he goes, God wants to destroy you all, so repent because I'm done with you people. Right? It, read it. It's the worst sermon. Now you never go back to that church. The entire city repents. Explain that to me. It wasn't out of perfection. It was out of obedience. How about the gift of mercy? How badly does our world need mercy today? Grace gives us what we do not deserve, but mercy does not give us what we do deserve. So mercy, make sure that we don't, re uh, we don't have retribution. Make sure we don't strike back. Make sure that we, don't, we, don't, we, we can turn the other cheek and actually not pour out death and punishment. We see this in David, don't we? David's a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. When he comes to Mephibosheth, who's the heir of Saul, who was his enemy, the only one left in the line that could challenge David. And he was broken, and he was crippled, and, and he, should have, he should have, by law, been killed to eradicate any other possibilities. 
But David says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 13, you bring me Mephibosheth. I know my God is a God of covenant, and I'm going to keep my covenant because my God is a God of covenant. You bring me Mephibosheth. You tell him he's going to live with me, and he's going to eat at the king's table. Mercy. He didn't have to remind him how bad he was, how broken he was, how his life and his lineage and his choices got him where he was, how his lifestyle is so outside of God's will that God had to eradicate everybody for that. He looked at the man and said, he's broken, he's hurting, and my God has a covenant, and he's a covenant-keeping God, and I'm going to extend the gift of mercy. I wonder, did David receive mercy when he needed it? Because he extended mercy when Mephibosheth needed it. See, this is where the high priest took those gems on the day of atonement to the mercy seat. The thing that was above the law. We love to talk about the law and the way things should be and what is right and wrong and why people shouldn't or should and why they should be punished and shouldn't be punished. But the mercy seat sat above the law. And he would take the blood of the lamb and he would pour it out on the mercy seat seven times on the seat and on the ground and on the seat and on the ground, crying out, God, forgive my people. God, forgive my people. God, forgive my people. And the blood on the mercy seat, the gift of mercy is extended now to everyone. You know, on the Ark of the Covenant, on the mercy seat, there are two angels, two cherubim, that point inward at the mercy seat, their wings pointing down. Their heads are tilted down, looking at the blood. They're looking at the blood. They're looking. They're not looking eye to eye. We don't need to see eye to eye with people to have mercy on people. We need to see people through the blood of Jesus Christ so that we have mercy on people. What could happen if we would just use our gifts? I didn't even talk about the power gifts of miracles and signs and wonders and all these things that we would all love to have. I just talked about things that could function in all of us. Because when we don't use these gifts, people die. Lives shrivel up and the enemy kills and robs and steals from generations. I'm so saddened by the fires that are going on in Hawaii, the death and destruction that it's reaping. But I learned something this week that I wanted to share with you because I think it's applicable. On that island, one of the sides of that island was a massive pineapple plantation. Gigantic swathes of land that used to produce pineapples, but because of political and economic changes, they shut down that plantation. They shut down the farm. And so plants that used to be green and produce fruit and would have had water irrigation were now dry and barren and there was no water. So when the fire came and the wind started to blow, there was no life in those plants to stop it. There was no fruit to give it a pause. There was no water system to turn on and drench the flames. So all it was was like a wick that led it like a blaze down into the people's lives. That's what happens when we in the church don't grow the fruit of the Spirit. Don't use our gifts 
We can't stand in the gap against the flames. We don't have the water to extinguish it because we haven't been irrigated. So there's no irrigation to give away. God keeps showing us in the natural, realities in the supernatural, and we keep falling asleep, church. We just say, that's a shame, that's a shame, that's a shame. But we need to see what God is trying to say to his people. We can't afford to be dried up. We can't afford to be fruitless. We can't afford to not be watered. So how do we do it? That's a good question. How do we know? How do we know what's gift? And just write these down because we're ending with this. But this is for you to go through, not me to tell you. I've already laid out the truth. Right. Now you have to wrestle with how it applies to your life. Right. How did Moses know? Because God told him. Yeah. It started with God's word. God said, build the tabernacle, build the garments, build the outer court, build the tent, build everything the way that I will show exactly to the pattern I will show you. It all starts with God's word. We started with God's word today. Now we have to believe it, but the, we have to believe it just like salvation. But the same people who wrote about how to be saved are the same people who wrote about the spirit coming into our lives with the gifts of the spirit and the fruit of the spirit. So if we're going to believe one, we got to believe the other. If we don't believe one, we can't believe the other. Then we just have to pray and ask. Pray, ask God, what's my gifts? Reveal them to me. We already know, there's two things we already know. God tells us we all have one, and God is a revealer and not a concealer. Then ask the Holy Spirit to fill you and hold nothing back. Holy Spirit, I surrender my whole life to you, just like you did with Jesus. Holy Spirit, I surrender my whole life to you. Whatever you've got, I want it all. All of it, I hold nothing back to you. Fill me to overflowing that I may be used for your glory and your glory alone so that the world can be redeemed for your plan. Then let God write on your stone the name he has for you. Get talented people around you. To help you work this thing out. Moses didn't have to build all this. He got skilled artisans to help him figure out how to do it. Start small. Start small. They first collected the stones. Then they lit the fires for the furnaces. Then they melted the gold down. Then they hammered it. We don't have to do it all in one fell swoop. Just take a step with God. One step. Just take a step. Peter walked on the water, but it started with one step out of a boat. The truth is, my friends, it was not the gifts of the Spirit alone that changed the world over the last 2,000 years. It was men and, willing, men and women willing to use the gifts in their world that changed this world. This is why we need all the gems and all the gifts functioning in this house. All of them. For the disenfranchised, the broken, the hopeless. Those who even in here want friends but aren't connected relationally. Those who are sick. Those who are broken. Those who need to see, feel loved and seen and valued and all of us who need mercy. It's why we need all the gems working in this house, all the gifts, 
and not just the gift of preaching. The gi- I got it. I got it. That's American church. The gift of preaching is American church. The better the preacher, the bigger the church. The better the preacher, the bigger the church. The better the preacher, the bigger the church. And we live in cities with countless homeless people, broken marriages sitting next to us with no answers, addicts that come to church one way and leave the same way. Because the gems that are meant to carry people, yes, some of them will be on the platform, no doubt. But all of them are in the people. The only question left for all of us is will we be, will be, will we be willing to be used as a gem in God's redemption plan? Are we looking for inspiration in this house? Are we looking for people for transformation in this house? I promise I'm going to keep using my gift. But it's not because I get paid for it. I used this gift long before I ever got money. And I'll use it long after. There's a life of worship I want to lead. There's, a, there's some slaves that I want to help set free. There's some names I have to carry and some tribes I want to undergird. And there are some people and some generations I want to see set free. And I don't want to be a person that shouts at the darkness. I want to be a person that reflects the light. Let's pray. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Come on. Just take a moment. You just take a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. You take it. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Jesus, pour out your Spirit in my life. Come and fill me. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. Holy Spirit, fill this place. You are not a God that is unfaithful. You're a God that's faithful and true to his word. You said you have a gift for each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, pour it out. Holy Spirit, open my eyes that I might see. You said that you are my God. You are my counselor, my comforter. You're the one who will help me see things I cannot see and know things I cannot know. So when I don't see your gold thread running through me, help me to see it now in Jesus' name. Father, when my selfishness rises up inside of me, when my insecurity tells me that there's someone else better and someone else who can do it, and I'm not needed, Remind me that this isn't about need, it's about worship. Set me free from my selfishness. Set me free from the fear that's in this society. Set me free from a generation of lies that has gone unquestioned. Set me free. Father, 
hear our prayer. You said, Jesus, you said that when you went away, you would send the same spirit that was in you to be inside of us. You said that you would send your spirit to empower us with power, dynamic power, authority from heaven to be your witnesses everywhere we go. Your word says that there is a gift manifest for each one for the common good of the community. Hey, I just want to pray over you. And if today you're saying, I just want my gift to be revealed, my gift maybe to be unlocked, or I need to surrender, I know what my gift is, but I need to surrender to God. It all comes the same way with the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Not just with knowledge of it, but the submission to it. So I'm gonna pray for the, for, for the filling of the Holy Spirit over each and every person in this room, everybody who's watching, everybody who's listening, I'm gonna pray. And if you're in this room with no one else looking around, just you, just raise up your hands and surrender. There's something powerful about when we raise up our hands and surrender. And when I pray, you pray, you just start to ask, Holy Spirit, come into my life, fill me. Just pray it, shout it, scream it, whisper it, whatever you have to do, you do it. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you may come and fill us up to overflowing. Fill to the right, to the left, in front of me, behind me, online, Lord God. Father, in those vocation homes, down the shore, in the hospital rooms, Lord God, I pray in the jails, Lord Jesus, that you set us free. Holy Spirit, breathe. Breathe on us. Breathe on us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Reveal to us what our gifts are, Lord God. Help us to release being selfish and self-focused. And help us, Lord God, to submit to your will. Yes, we want to be a part of your redemption plan for this planet. But more than that, we want to live a life that worships you. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us afresh and anew. No empty vessels leaving this room. No empty vessels. We speak life into every dead pineapple plant in this room. Life in the name of Jesus Christ. You said it. We sang it already. You said it. We believe it. It Come on, it is done. Because you said it, and I believe it. You said it, and I believe it. It is done. 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 In the name of Jesus. Come on. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Someone say so be it. Someone say amen. Amen in our life. Amen. 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 Jesus, amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to go in a minute, but we're going to pray. We're just going to stay here for a second. Thank you, Lord. 
You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Master of it all. Oh, breathe life. Breathe life on these dry bones. Breathe life on these dry bones. Breathe life on these dry bones in the name of Jesus. We need you in this world. We need you, Jesus. We need gifts of discernment. We need the gift of prophecy. We need the gift of healing, Lord God. We need the gift of administration. We need the gift of helps. We, we need the gift of hospitality. We, we need the gift of teaching. We, we, we need the gifts, Lord God, of miracles, of faith, of grace. We need the gifts of generosity. We need the gifts, Lord God. Not so that we can be good, but so that your goodness can be seen in the land of the living God in the land of the living Help us, Father. We stand open. Willing. In Jesus' name. I'm just going to ask you guys to stand with me, if you will. Mm, Jesus. We're going to have we're going to let the Holy Spirit move but we're going to let those who need to leave leave and those who want to stay for a while stay and can I just say this look can I be honest I didn't grow up like this so if you're like man this is a little weird and I just heard him speak in some language and that kind of freaks me out and I, I, I get it like beyond measure get it but I can tell you this on this side of the veil there's no intimacy like God. I've never had intimacy like God deeper than I did that when I actually start to submit to the Spirit of God. And you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to figure it all out. But the Bible says, if you have, you have not because we ask not, so ask. He said it, I believe it, it is done. I'm going to pray in just a second, and then we're going to let people stay or people go. And I know Pastor Irene was going to do offering, but I just want to say this because I shouldn't need to talk about offering. Helping to carry each other's burdens means doing this as well. Not just showing up, not just enjoying church. It actually means, you know what, I'm going to give generously and I'm going to be a part of carrying people's burdens in this house including my pastor's burdens and our team's burdens and people I don't know's burdens because that's part of it so there's a thousand ways you can give you can use these envelopes you drop in the gold kiosk on the way out there's screens that'll be up there in a second you can give with that QR code you can give online all the time but this is an act of worship I love that God one of God's gifts is, is a gift of generosity. And I love that there's people in this house that have that gift. 
and I'm so thankful. And I'm thankful for the people who may not have that gift, but have the gift of obedience to live and give through worship as well. Father, we've had an honest moment in church today. And for some, maybe a line in the sand. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you move on every heart in this room. Every heart that's here, every heart that left, every heart that's on the screen, every heart that listens to this later, every heart that's in that children, in those children ministry rooms, every teacher that's back there in the name of just Pastor Kevin and Pastor Lisa. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you do this week in us what we have never even began to expect before. We give you full permission to move. We surrender all in the name of Jesus Christ. And together we say, Amen. Amen. Church, God bless you, and I can't wait to see you next week. But if you want to stay, these guys are going to play for a little bit. And if you don't want to stay and you want to fellowship, we can fellowship out in the lobby. But if you want to stay and let the Holy Spirit do something, here's a place right here and right now. I love you, church.